In this podcast, we're going to discuss fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and intellectual disabilities. These are two more examples that can um, help us further understand the concept of cognition. So fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is the most severe disorder that an infant who is exposed to alcohol can acquire. So understanding that there is no known amount of alcohol that is safe during pregnancy. There are some doctors that may say, you know, a glass of wine here and there is safe, but again, there's no known safe amount. So it's best for us to advise moms not to consume alcohol during pregnancy. Um, So with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, what we see here, since this is the most severe disorder that could occur if mom's consuming alcohol, is we not only see intellectual disabilities, but we also see facial features that are distinct for this disorder. Some of those facial features include small eyes or a short palpable fissure, a thin upper lip, a flat mid face, an indistinct philtrum, which your philtrum is that little dip that you usually have between your nose and your upper lip there. And we could also see growth restrictions, including microcephaly. Um, So the brain could not grow and develop as well. And because of that, we could see some neurodevelopmental deficits in, in these patients. So remember, everything's really developing early on neurologically. Uh, so even if mom just has a little bit of alcohol before she even finds out that she's pregnant and then stops once she finds out that she's pregnant, there could have already been some damage done. Um, one thing that um, we want to keep in mind with the neuro problems that we might see, um, there's a range of different problems that we could see. So this is a spectrum disorder. So every child who's born with this could be a little bit different. They could have um, some of those facial facial features or all of them. Um, and then with the neurological problems that we could see under this, um, IQ deficits, they could have ADHD or hyperactivity disorder, diminished fine motor skills, poor speech, They can also have a lack of inhibition. They don't usually have that stranger anxiety, and they lack appropriate judgment skills. So those last three are concerning because of the safety aspect of it. You know, if they don't have proper judgment, uh, they don't have that proper inhibition, then we could see some um, possible trouble as far as safety goes. And safety was also a concern that we saw in the exemplar of dementia. So there's um, a safety uh, similarity here across all of these exemplars that fall under cognition. So safety is huge with these patients. Um, Because of the brain damage that they can have, it kind of manifests behaviorally. So we could see some behavior disorders um, and that may require some type of counseling to help those patients get through that. You know, there's not any kind of special medication that we can give these patients to make things go away. So a lot of the interventions that are involved here as they're growing and getting older are behavioral type of interventions and going to therapy and counseling um, to help them. So one thing that we do need to think about is the fact that they, the infant could be born um, withdrawing from the alcohol, or a lot of times mom may be combining alcohol and drugs together. 
And so what would that look like if the infant is withdrawing from alcohol or drugs? And what would be some specific interventions I could do to help the baby who's withdrawing? So what the baby might look like if they're withdrawing, they can be very jittery, um, irritable. They often have um, like a hypertone, so their muscle tone is very flexed. Their reflexes are um, overexerted, so they have hyperreflexia. Everything's kind of um, exerted in this state of withdrawing. And then there could be a possibility of seizures um, or even a seizure disorder, which so there could be some education that we have to do with the parents um, as far as, you know, what to do if the baby has a seizure and what to watch out for. So some things that we can do if the baby is withdrawing, because they have this um, flexed tone, a lot of times swaddling the infant will help them because what will end up happening if they're not swaddled is they're, they'll constantly startle themselves. And these babies need a lot of rest um, and they just need to be kind of left alone most of the time um, to be able to rest and keep calm. So by swaddling, we can help prevent them from waking themselves up with that startle reflex. Um, you know, there's been controversy whether swaddling is good or not. Now, nowadays what they have is they have these sleep sacks um, that you actually zip the infant in, and then they actually have an attachment that will allow you to swaddle the infant, and it's a safer alternative to swaddling an infant with just a regular blanket. The problem with swaddling the infant with a regular blanket is the fact that it could come loose. You gotta, it's really hard to swaddle them correctly with the blankets, and if it comes loose, I don't want the blanket covering the, the baby's face um, and affecting their breathing. So swaddling is good for these infants. Um, we just have some alternatives that we could use, like the sleep sack, to be able to swaddle them. Um, also having mom and dad being, be involved if they're around to, to hold the baby, swaddle the baby, to try to help comfort the baby. Um, the baby might not bond right away with, um, mom and dad during this withdrawal period, but we still want to encourage, um, that they attempt to bond. Um, other things that could be helpful is we want to limit tactile stimulation and really what we should do is it would be best to cluster our care because, again, they need these long periods of rest during this withdrawal period. So if we can go in, do what we need to do, and then allow them to rest for a long period rather than I'll go in now and then in 20 minutes I'll come back and then another 20 minutes I'll come back because then you're constantly startling and, wake, and awakening them, which could cause some agitation. Other things that could help stimulate that calm environment um, dim the lights. I could provide a pacifier for a baby. Um, that kind of non-nutritive sucking could be beneficial. Um, maybe even putting their hands up next to their face because they might want to suck their thumb rather than use a pacifier, and that would also be beneficial to help soothe them. And speaking of the um, non-nutritive sucking, if you think about with feeding these babies, a lot of times they have trouble with feeding because of they just don't have the ability, if they have some of those facial um, characteristics, they might not be able to suck well enough to eat, um, especially from the breasts. So sometimes we might have to use different bottles, like find different nipples, ones that may work for the infant. Um, and because they're at risk for poor nutrition at birth, it's going to be vital that as a nurse, we are 
doing assessments as far as, you know, how much are they feeding each time and weighing the infant um, to make sure that they're um, not losing too much weight. And then the other thing to think about with these patients um, is just a routine, developing a routine, especially as they get older. And then that kind of rolls us into the patients who have intellectual disabilities. So patients who have intellectual disabilities would also benefit much from having routines. Um, and this is a very broad category, intellectual disability. It um, begins in, in development when baby's in utero usually, but then it doesn't really manifest itself until later when we're checking those developmental milestones. Um, so we might see it manifest in communication or motor development milestones in that the baby's not hitting them in the right order or they're not progressing enough um, with these different milestones. In an intellectual disability, really what it is is just a neurological miswiring. Um, it can include deficits in social skills, such as communication, learning, and interacting with others. And we often see that these patients just hit a wall when it comes to abstract thinking. So things like math are very difficult for them to do. In types of, there are specific disorders that fall under this broad category, just to highlight some, autism and Down syndrome. Um, now, we don't have to know, I don't expect you to know specifics with each one of those. We're just talking about intellectual disability from a broad perspective, but knowing that those are two examples of um, an intellectual disability, Down syndrome and autism. So there's very much a stigma um, to, you know, I would hope that it's gotten better, but, um, you know, there could be a stigma with patients who are born and have, if you think about patients who are born with Down syndrome and have specific facial characteristics, you know, as a nurse, think to yourself how you would want to react to a mom who, who finds out that their baby has Down syndrome. Um, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to um, treat the baby differently or, you know, make any comments to mom. Um, you know, we want, you know, this baby has the potential just like any other baby. There may just be more difficulties down the road that these, you know, as the baby grows and develops, there's going to be roadblocks that happen. And how do we help mom and dad cope with that um, rather than making them feel bad that their baby was born with an intellectual disability? Um, so with these patients, there will be limitations of cognitive function. Um, they will have a below average IQ, and typically this intellectual disabilities are identified before the age of 18, because again, this is a lot of times it's something they're born with, and then we just see it manifest as their brain is growing and they're supposed to be hitting these milestones and they may not be hitting them quite, um, quite the way that they should. And we could also see um, that Intellectual disabilities affect conceptual and social skills, as well as being able to perform ADLs. So depending on the spectrum of their disorder, um, as they grow, some may have to have help with activities of daily living. Um, some may grow and be able to you know, get a job and live on their own and be fine, and some may require more help. So it just depends on the spectrum of it. So the big thing with intellectual disability, again, there's not like this, this magic medication that we're going to give to get rid of it. It's going to be um, a lot of counseling, education for the parents. Um, there might be some genetic counseling involved, especially if they know um, before the baby is born. 
Like with Down syndrome, you could have the genetic testing done and know that ahead of time. And then as baby grows up and gets older, um, helping the parents cope um, and, and get through that. Maybe some type of group therapy or, you know, working and talking to parents who also have a child with an intellectual disability. So again, these are another, these are two more examples of diseases or exemplars that fall under the concept of cognition.